0: Hey everybody, how are you doing today? I just wanted to get on here real quick and talk about something I've been studying in the Bible recently. I just got back a couple weeks ago from a trip to Israel. Uh, It was so cool and still fresh in my mind. But when I got back, I thought, man, I just got to dig into the scripture and start, you know, reading about the places that I've read about my whole life, but now have a different view on And one of those places that I got to visit was the historical site of Shiloh, or Shiloh, as they say in Hebrew. And so much happened here. Um, The Ark of the Covenant was here. Uh, People gathered here for worship. This was like Jerusalem before Jerusalem. And so a really, really important historical site, really important biblical site. And... I thought, you know, I'm going to go back to one of the classic stories from Shiloh, and that is uh, basically the whole story of 1 Samuel kind of centers around this place being the meeting place for Israel. And as I'm reading through uh, 1 Samuel, I get to 1 Samuel 9, which is so interesting because you've got the story of King Saul kind of coming into his own, coming into his kingdom. And you know, sometimes I think Saul gets a little bit of a bad rap. It's almost like he's set up to fail. You know, David is like the the king that's supposed to be king. And so sometimes I feel a little bit bad for Saul. But really, I think you're not supposed to. Uh, you read through the scripture. And something I think we'll, we'll find as we go through this here today is, um, you know, you get this sense that when you're reading through the Bible, things are happening as you're reading them. Or people were writing it down like... You know, just journaling, chronicling everything behind some of the historical figures. And that's really not what happened. It's not that they might not have kept notes or journals, especially with some of the more important people like Kings. But for the most part, these things were written down in hindsight. And so uh, people would write very intentionally in certain ways to make you, the reader, understand certain messages. And I don't want to call it editorial license because I don't think they're recording Uh, untruths. I think they're just highlighting certain areas so that the reader is supposed to compare them. But over time, we've kind of lost that ability. And we're reading the Bible um, through historical lens, which is good. It is a historical book in in most of the places, you know, sometimes it's poetry or whatever, but um, it does have historical narrative in it. So we should read it through a historical lens. But we also have to read it through a literary lens. And I think that's something we've lost over time, um, especially in understanding how the biblical authors wrote. um, You know, their literary style is very different than a modern one. So even if you understand the modern one, a lot of times we might miss things because we're not reading it through an ancient lens or ancient literary lens. And so I'm not gonna say I'm the best at this either. but as I've studied more into it, I've picked up some things along the way. And it's it's really cool when you do that, how as you read through scripture, you're like, ah, oh, what about that? I've never noticed this comparison before. Or um, he says things, you know, he says this one way and then he almost repeats it, but it slightly changes. What do I do with that? And so it doesn't always necessarily give you... Uh, information like you you have to still take the things away from it but it can just kind of pique your interest it can make you make your eyes kind of stop on certain words or you know find patterns in familiar passages so uh, i think it's a valuable thing to do but this is what happened when i was reading through first samuel nine so i want to just read here in first samuel nine starting in verse one this is where we're first introduced to saul and it says here, There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechorath, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a man of wealth. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Okay, so Saul sounds pretty you know this is a good king here he's he's tall he's good looking he's strong um even though he's from a smaller tribe he's a man of wealth and so he's you know prosperous this is kind of what the people are looking for and this is why god chooses him um obviously we know that that's not who they should have been looking for but that's a different story then in in verse three something interesting here it says now the donkeys of kish saul's father were lost so kish said to saul his son take one of the young men with you and arise go and look for the donkeys and he passed through the hill country of ephraim and passed through the land of Shalishah, and they did not find them and they passed through the land of shalim but they were not there then they passed through the land of benjamin but did not find them so saul here is in the role of a shepherd. And I think because it's not sheep, it's listed as donkeys. It's not goats or sheep. We think, you know, he just owns animals, but it seems still like he's doing the role of a shepherd. Even if Saul wasn't like a shepherd by trade necessarily in this beginning scene we have here, he is in the role of a shepherd going to find lost livestock. And I think that's, in, that's I mean, I'm sure it's historically accurate and true. A lot of people were uh, to one degree or another Shepherds, or they, they did at least own animals, and so they might perform shepherding duties every once in a while. But so I, I do think the writer of First Samuel is intentionally showing us that Saul is a type of shepherd, or he's acting in the role of a shepherd. And who else do we know? Uh, well, you could list so many people that were shepherds in the Bible, but the main one, especially that First Samuel is concerned with, the main person we know that is also in the role of a shepherd is David. And when we first meet him, it's the same exact thing. So I think these are meant to be kind of paralleled. And if we look what happens here, I think it's really interesting because so Saul takes his servant and they're searching around for these donkeys. But look in verse 5, it says, When they came to the land of Zuth, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. But he said to him, behold there is a man of God in this city and he is a man who is held in honor and all that he says comes true so now let us go there perhaps he can tell us what the what the way is that we should go so this is the servant talking to Saul this is not Saul bringing up this idea like well let's just do this last-ditch effort Saul is looking to go back because he thinks his father is going to be concerned about him and if you were to just take this on face value What's wrong with this? Saul is concerned about his father. That's a good characteristic. That's a good quality. But when we compare it to the example of David as shepherd and later Jesus as shepherd, a lot is shown here about the lack that Saul is showing in just this one example. And I'm sure things are coming to your mind already as you think about this. Um, But this is basically what happens, that the servant is the one pushing Saul, saying, no, we need to find these these donkeys, this livestock. This is important to your father. We can't have any of them lost. And Saul is saying, I'm sure he's more worried about me than he is the donkeys. And, I mean, you would hope that a father would be more worried about a son than donkeys. But again, this is written in a way, not to say that... uh, kish hated saul and loved his donkeys or that saul was overvaluing his life over donkeys which he should do it's to make a comparison between how saul chooses to shepherd and how david chooses to shepherd and then later how jesus chooses to shepherd though uh the writer of first samuel wouldn't have known that so if we look then at the comparison when uh, we meet david in first samuel chapter 17 just a few chapters later you've got david going into the camp of israel and he's about to fight goliath and you know saul seeing this kid he's like man this guy is courageous but he's he shouldn't go and fight this guy because he's young he's small he's not a man of war he doesn't know what he's doing here but in verse 34 of first samuel 17 Uh, David says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said... The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So David here, uh, same situation. He is tending his father's sheep. And when one of them goes missing, he doesn't only like look around for a while. And when he can't find them, decide he must turn back. He seeks until he finds it. And even if there's a threat, once he finds it, he destroys that threat. And so you have these two people contrasted, David and Saul, both as shepherds, but acting very, very differently. And I think you can see from this example, um, whereas when you read through Saul's account, a modern sensitivities would be like, well, what he did wasn't wrong. He's just concerned about his father. But then you read David's account. Well, wasn't David concerned about his father? You can't really have one be right and the other be right. One of them has to be wrong. And I think that the writer here is telling us that Saul's uh, mentality was not one of doing his father's will, was not one of caring for his father's animals. It was more self-concern. And so this is a big, big contrast. If you also go to uh, Matthew 18, fast forwarding into Jesus being the shepherd, Jesus kind of gives, um, not talking about himself as a shepherd, but he he's relating this, To other people in the parable of the lost sheep in Matthew 18 verse 10 he says take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven for the son of man has come to save that which was lost so again he is even here equating himself as a shepherd coming to save those who are lost just like David did and just like Saul attempted to do And so here we have Christ as the ultimate fulfillment of this shepherd role. And we see just how far Saul fell from that um, because he was self-concerned or he was, you know, assuming that his father was more concerned about his safety. But, you know, the father even sending him out in the first place shows that the father had a certain trust in Saul's ability to complete the task. You know, it's, it's not that he didn't love his son or didn't, have any concern over his safety but he sent him to do a task and it wasn't like well try a little bit and then come back and you can tell this because even the servant that's accompanying Saul is like i mean i feel like we should push a little bit further you know like he he even sees that it's not time to give up yet when Saul is already ready to go and we see this compared uh, even further especially with the servant i think it's interesting that the servant is here because it's almost like jesus is talking about this in uh, john chapter 10 that classic verse where jesus equates himself to a shepherd in verse 11 he says i am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for his sheep. Think about this. This servant that's with Saul is a hired hand. And yet he's the one pushing on. He's not running away in the face of being lost or his master being concerned about their safety or uh, like foreign lands that are maybe unhospitable. He's not concerned about that. Even the the, uh, hired servant is pushing on where it should be Saul that is first and foremost because he is the one who uh, owns the sheep. I mean, it's his father's sheep, obviously, but um, Saul by proxy owns them. You know, he's of that household. And so here, you've got this really cool comparison between Saul, David, and Jesus. And I think the comparison between David and Jesus has always been uh, pretty clear. You know, Jesus is the son of David, and he's in that line. And uh, the shepherd motif appears over and over and over again throughout the Bible, specifically pointing to Christ. But here you can see Saul, and it gives us just a little bit better picture of how far short he was uh, when we might read through and say, well, he's tall, good-looking, wealthy seems like a decent guy gets off to a good start the writer here is trying to tell us no 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 you're looking at all the wrong things just like Israel was so I think this is a good lesson and I hope you found it interesting Um, just certain things to look for in your Bible as you're kind of reading through certain things where you can make comparisons and anytime you uh, read too quickly you might be in danger of missing something the writers were trying to get you to see So just something to keep in mind as you keep on studying. So thanks guys for listening. Appreciate it.